Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Landstrox After Dark. I'm your host, Justin Sanders, uh, joined as always by my co-host, the illustrious John Stefanik. How are you doing, John? I'm doing well. I'm not sure if illustrious is the best descriptor, but we'll go <laughs> for the evening. I, I have to disagree, man. I think if anyone's illustrious, it's you, but uh, let's get into this here. So this is another episode of Landstrox After Dark. Uh, glad to have everyone listening in. Uh, we've been thrilled so far at the reception. I'm glad that we have an audience that wants to hear us talk uh, incessantly from our fan perspective with little knowledge and uh, just kind of complain about things. We're glad to have you all out there listening. Uh, today we're going to talk about the week that was in Ole Miss sports. We're going to talk about uh, our newest defensive position coach, Corey Bettine, former assistant athletic director for recruiting coordinator, or recruiting operations, I believe. Uh, we're going to talk about the transfers going on on our football team uh, in the offseason here. We're going to talk about our next quarterback, perhaps, uh, Chad Kelly. We're talking about basketball and the interesting week for Ole Miss and perhaps revival of our season. So that's what's in store on this episode. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, Corey Batoon. So, John, I want to hear from you. I want to get your opinion. We've talked a little bit about it, but how do you feel now? We've had some time to process. What do you think about uh, Hugh promoting Corey Batoon to an on-field coach? I think it was, it was interesting because my initial reaction was, underwhelmed given that you see Hughes gotten a new contract. We've, you know, more clearly illustrated the financial commitment that Bjork and the rest of the athletic department has to football. We've heard rumors around an additional billion dollars in assistant coach's salary pool, which the instantaneous thought would be, we're going to translate that out to go buy a big, you know, go and acquire a big time assistant coach to uh, fill Tom Allen's spot. But instead, Freeze chose to promote from within, which is interesting. And it wasn't for a lack of candidates out there that the fan base in general is familiar with. I know a couple that I saw in some message boards was Melvin, the Bagman Smith. He's done some handling before, and with all, it, 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 which was ironic because when he was at state, everybody hated him for being the Bagman. And then at Auburn, everybody was annoyed. But I guess he, everybody realized if he's going to, you know, annoy you on the recruiting trail, you might as well get him on your team. And then our, uh, my personal favorite, uh, Trooper Taylor, professional towel waiver is available. But instead, Freeze decides to go internally with Corey Batoon, who my understanding is Womack schematically has an immense amount of trust in as far as his ability to coach. And the, kind of the more of the question mark from the, uh, as far as the Batoon hire is how effective a recruiter is he, which is key because Tom Allen is a or was definitely a dynamic recruiter. And it appears they've felt a little bit of the repercussions of Allen leaving and recruiting already with uh, Durant, with the, the Davin Durant, the uh, the five-star Juco linebacker that ended up staying, he was an Arizona State commit and was wishy-washy and deciding to go to Arizona State and over Ole Miss and decided Tom Allen leaving is a big part of that. But regardless, I think uh, it, I was underwhelmed at first, but the more I thought about it, the more I'm content with it. A lot of it goes back to when 
because Freeze has shown in the past he has a propensity and he, he has a willingness to go out and get a big time national assistant coach. Which I'm thinking of Jason Jones specifically. We went and replaced Wesley McGriff going to Oklahoma State, a Power Five school, and, and basically taking their guy. And that move has worked out tremendously. So it's not that so Freeze has a, shown the ability in the past to go out and make the big time hire, but he's also shown the the uh, propensity to uh, kind of stick to his guns and really you know believe in the people that he trusts and knows. So when I think, put put the Batoon hire in more of a historical context, I think Freeze has shown the judgment of kind of when to go with a big-name guy, when to go with go with what he's comfortable with. And I think the other factor here, and we could talk about this more in depth when we uh, you know, if we, you know, in more of a recruiting to- context later on, but I think Batoon was promoted in part to kind of make sure to stabilize relationships within current recruits from the 2015 class. Like going time back into the fact that Allen, Tom Allen, being such a uh, big time dynamic recruiter, and, and their uh, the needs they have at linebacker, especially for this recruiting class, I think Freeze was really leery of trying to bring in a new name versus promoting a, uh, somebody internally that would be able to maintain the relationships with the current recruits for them this class. So that's just wrapping up. I think it's a I think it's a stabilization move that Freeze has made in order to transition through this recruiting class on the next season. Mm-hmm. It's like, like you said, I mean, linebacker is a critical position in this recruiting class. And we have, uh, I think the number two middle linebacker in the country committed in Leo Lewis. And uh, he's kind of shown a propensity to, you know, maybe be a little wishy-washy at times or, you know, he's, he's, he's on the fence. He's not the most solid of commitment. And uh, when Tom Allen left, he canceled all of his official visits. He had one to Ole Miss. He had one to Mississippi State and LSU. And obviously, LSU lost Sean Chavis. He was the coordinator. Mississippi State lost Jeff Collins. So I think it's like you said. I mean, bringing the tune onto the field shows to these recruits, maybe Leo Lewis specifically, I'm not sure, but all defensive recruits and recruits in general, that Hugh Freeze is committed to the staff he has. If they come to play for these coaches, they're not only going to be there for a year, and then other uh, coaches are going to leave on anything like that. Um, and, and really, if anyone has been in the position to evaluate Corey Batoon's uh, capabilities as an on-field coach, it's Hugh Freeze. I mean, he's worked with them directly for the past, what is it, six years now, five years, because he was Arkansas State before, brought him with him to Ole Miss. I mean, if, if you're going to find a diamond in the rough, a guy that hasn't quite proven to be you know, the national-level talent yet, and get them early. I think that this is how you do it. You get it. You get a guy that you've seen for five years that you trust. Obviously, Hugh Freeze believes in his ability to recruit. Uh, like you mentioned, schematically, it's not as important because uh, it's, it's, it's Womack's defense, and, and Womack is going to take care of the on-the-field stuff for the most part, especially the X's and O's. But you got to have that young guy out on the road, relentlessly recruiting, uh, and he's somebody that's hungry. And, and hopefully, Coy Batum is going to be that person. Um, I think another angle that we've discussed a little bit that's maybe been thrown around in rumor circles online is that with the tune moving onto the field, that opens up a job in the Office of Football Operations uh, that could perhaps, maybe, possibly, if we're lucky, be filled by uh, 2016 five-star quarterback Shea Patterson's older brother, who was until recently on staff at LSU. So I don't know. There could be some different things going on uh, with this hire, but Overall, I trust Hugh Freeze uh, and his judgment of his of his coaches, and you know maybe maybe that'll turn out to be silly of us to believe in him and think that loyalty is is, is a good thing. I really don't think that he would have promoted it if he didn't believe in his ability to recruit. So I don't know. That's my take on it. 
Yeah, I would totally agree. Freeze would Freeze would not be making this move if he didn't believe in the guy. And as far as and Freeze has not been afraid in the past to stick with people he knows that not are not necessarily popular from public perception. It's it's kind of easy to forget now, but when Dave Womack was originally brought along the freeze from Arkansas State, it was considered kind of an underwhelming hire, yet he produced the number one ranked scoring defense in the country this past year and has proven to be arguably the best bargain in college football as a defensive coordinator for $550,000, or I believe that's the salary. So that, so Freeze's track record indicates that he can, he can go out and hire assistants, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. He's really excelled there from that standpoint. And then you you mentioned the idea the Shay Patterson, I believe Sean Patterson is his older brother's name. So you have Shay and Sean. That is there's no there's really no point in dodging the fact that that is their um their diamond recruit for the twenty sixteen class is getting him on campus to be the quarterback of the future. Following Let's say him you already have and, DK Metcalf committed, you know, and you don't want to bring in a dominant wide receiver without a quarterback to throw it to him. So I'd say those two together, if you can get both of those, that's a that's a solid foundation for the class. So yeah, go on. Yeah. And I would agree. So essentially having that potential position available, I've seen some stuff where Sean Patterson may end up being in an on the field role with a different school, which would obviously be a a step above an off the field position in a school. So he it may kind of sort itself out where you don't have to have a position to take care of his take care of Shay's brother, but nonetheless the opportunity is available if needed, which to me really illustrates that uh Hugh Freeze is he's committed to winning at the SEC level and there's certain kind of I mean loyalty is important, but at the end of the day you have to make tough decisions and do some, do certain maneuvers in order to best position yourself to win in this conference. Because if you're not going, if you're not trying to maximize every little detail within your program, somebody else is, and will be will be cutthroat and willing to do so. And kind of, I guess, the, make a transition here along the lines of committed to doing what it takes. We've seen a we've seen a few transfers here this past week. You want to kind of summarize where we're at on the the uh, personnel status, Justin? As far as uh, yeah, answers let me three. let me address that a little bit, John. Um, so it has been a, a pretty big week, honestly, for old listeners. We were worried Monday or Tuesday that we wouldn't have that much to talk about, but a, a lot's happened. So correct me if I miss anybody here, but I believe this week so far, um, running backs Octavius Mathers and Mark Dodson, as well as what, defensive back David Kutahara. Yes, David right? and. Is that is that everybody that so far has been announced? That's everybody that is official, and there's some smoke signals from our uh, sources in Oxford that uh, right. there will be more along the way. But we will, con- right. we will Every- name names at the right appropriate time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So let's see. Mark Dodson, uh, the Memphis kid, he's going to go play at Memphis. Um, that one makes a lot of sense to me. Very crowded backfield right now. Uh, Dodson has always thought of himself as an every-down starter of a back. Uh, you know, when he was a freshman, the rumor was that he refused to take the red shirt and uh, he wanted to see the field, so he got a package that was last year. Uh, this year, he was productive in the carries that he got, but like I said, I mean, he was he was, he was was really maybe the, the fourth back behind Jalen Walton and Itavia Mathers, uh, Jordan Wilkins, and then he was maybe number four. Um, and I think that he thinks of himself as an every-down guy, so hopefully he'll go to Memphis, have a good career. I, I wish him the best, Absolutely. I've always liked Mark Johnson's running style. I think he's a really great athlete. Um, Octavius Mathers is a little bit different because he only has one year of eligibility left. Um, to me, really, this is the one 
I think when you saw Mathers leaving, you could say, okay, maybe this is Mathers, you know, wanting more playing time, et cetera, et cetera. When I saw that Itavius was also transferring, I believe he's going to Middle Tennessee, that was to me kind of the sign that, okay, this is the coaching staff going to these kids and saying, listen, you're not, you're not going to play next year. We don't have the playing time for you. We need your scholarship. We wish you the best. We want to help you find somewhere to go. Uh, but you're not going to stay in our program using our scholarships. Because I tell you, this is a kid that loves the team, uh, is a big part of it. Uh, you know, when you see on social media and everything, everybody, they're all, they're all tight. But I just think that the coaches have laid out to him the reality that he is, is too small. We already have too many scat backs. Uh, he has problems catching the football. He's a, good, he's a good pass protector, but he doesn't have the best vision. And, and I think that he just wasn't an SEC back and we needed a scholarship. And then obviously Kamara is um, a different story. He was one of the package deals that helped us land the 2013 class. He was uh, he was Robert Kibbici's no, he was Laquan Treadwell's friend. He's Robert Kibbici's right? guy. Yeah, he's a Grayson kid. He's Kibbici's guy. Okay, okay, that's right, that's right. He was from Grayson High School uh, in Georgia. He was part of Kibbici's deal. Um, so you know, obviously, he was really important in getting the program to where it is now. Even though he's barely seen the field. Uh, and I wish him the best wherever he goes, but he was never really going to contribute on our level. So, so far, really, it's been good news for Ole Miss on the on the transfer front. And another sign that we were just talking about that we think Coach is committed to winning uh, no matter what it takes. But let, let me hear what you have to say about it, John. What do you think? Yeah, I, I the most pretty much my opinion is synonymous with yours. I mean, just a clarify when we when we say like cut people like the coaching staff is essentially going to kids and being like look here's the reality of your playing time situation like take at Mathers for example he would have been a senior next year would have been buried on the depth chart and it makes more makes more sense basically the conversation is more or less we think you'll we don't know how much playing time you're gonna get next year we will help you the, co- the coaching staff is helping these kids find destinations and whatnot to where they can have the opportunity for playing time et cetera. But obviously, I mean, the coaching, I mean, Freeze has no problem Matt is going to Middle Tennessee because they're not, he's not helping another opponent for the Ole Miss will potentially face. And the other, I think another another reason you're seeing the number of transfers this year is the fact that Ole Miss does not have its full allotment of 25 scholarships to, to sign this year's recruiting class. I believe the number started at 15. It's up to 18 now with these transfers, and it might, it could potentially expand to even up to Upwards of twenty or twenty-one, depending on future uh, future decisions by certain individuals. But long story short, it's not it's not the prettiest thing about college football. But there's going to be attrition. There's going to be uh, transfers are going to happen. And this is essentially from a from a competitiveness standpoint. If you're a top top level SEC program, this is kind of it's kind of unfortunate to put it this way, but this is these are the moves and decisions that you want to see being made to know that you are maximizing the potential of all 85 of your scholarships. So this is bottom line. This is what it takes to compete at the highest level. Yes, absolutely. I'd have to agree with you on that. Um, I mean, the way I saw it was we have these guys, they're depth, but they're not necessarily that talented depth that we've seen anything really – blow us away on the field. And I think you freeze was just you'd rather sign a couple more three-star freshmen that could turn out to be great players down the road than keep spending these scholarships on players that we've already seen that they can do. And maybe it's not really up to the level of the SEC. They could go to a, a Memphis or a Middle Tennessee perhaps and have much better careers. Maybe it'll be better for the kids down the road too. You know, because I mean, Dotson and Mathers don't want to be 
in a rotation with five backs, I don't think. I mean, they want to be out there trying to trying to run a lot more often. So I don't know. Um, do you want to? I don't know if you think it's crass, but do you, do you want to make a prediction on another potential transfer? We can each pick one player, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see if we get it right or not. Yeah, why not? Because we're not. Because we don't have. We're not associated. We're speculating. Right. I guess. Right. right. Further along at running back, Eugene Brasley, I could see being somebody that potentially would uh, would be a candidate. Trey Bledsoe at receiver, he's been he's been at the, all of these guys have been at the program two years, so the coaches know and have seen have a pretty good idea what their ceiling is and the reality right. of where of what of, of their odds of getting on the field. So it's it's, it's an honest right. and open dialogue players, and then I was in the third one. Kendrick Doss, I'm not sure. I don't think he, he's not going to be a quarterback. I don't think he's either going to move, you know, change positions potentially, or or transfer. I think if he wanted to play quarterback, he would. It would not be at all Miss. Those are kind of the three. And if you, I will, for our sake of our discussion, I will say Trey Bledsoe transfers. If we're going to pick one guy, okay, that's a good. That's a good guess. That was that was going to be my first guess too. Although I have an answer, but I think Bledsoe. Um, is, is, I would, I guess, a good receiver. I mean, I, I follow him on Instagram, and he does the same stuff all the other guys post. I would assume he's just he's in a really talented wide receiver core. You know, he could have a much better career if he has a number two at a smaller school or something like that. So that's a good, that's a good guess. My guess would have to be, um, I, I think Quintavious Burdett, perhaps. Um, really athletically talented kid. He's a track star, uh, but he really hasn't found a role. In our offense, I, I think he's a, a wide receiver, uh, listed as a wide receiver maybe, but I'm not, I'm not sure. He's seen the field a couple times. He's supposed to be a really fast kid, but I don't know. Doss is, is a good point. Like you said, I've heard rumblings of him being moved to linebacker. I think you're right that he's not really on the quarterback depth chart, even though he was recruited out of high school as a, a pretty um, pretty, pretty well thought of quarterback. I think he was a three-star, but he had a great senior season, if I recall. So yeah, I mean, we we all get into Kendrick Doss, but so yeah, those are our guesses for for more transfers. Uh, obviously, we hope the best for all of these kids. Uh, I hope it works out well for the program and for the kids to transfer. You know, I hope that they end up seeing the field a lot more, maybe get more looks, and maybe even end up in the league down the road. That might not happen if they had stayed buried in the depth chart at Ole Miss. So that's kind of where we are with that. Um, moving into our next topic, that would be another recruit that's transferring. Although this person is transferring. Into Ole Miss, perhaps allegedly. John, what do you have? What's going on with Chad Kelly? Watch where are you right now? Well, last time we recorded was uh, last Sunday, January fourth, night before his uh, court date in Buffalo. Which I have to admit, which I, I must say, his legal team did an exceptional job. They had a uh, seven misdemeanors, knocked down the one disorderly conduct charge in the plea bargain, as we predicted. As we predicted, they would in the last episode of Land Sharks After Dark. We are batting a thousand thus far on predictions. So that and the judge, I think he has to apologize. Except for, except for the Peach Bowl, not not so much on that one. But go on. Yeah, we're, we're, we're rebounding. It's a new year, so we get a new clean slate. And uh, but regardless, I think the terms of his plea bargain were the one charge. He has to apologize to the Buffalo police, so he has to write an "I'm sorry" letter, I guess, or whatever that really, whatever the hell that entails. And uh, 50 hours of community service, which he can do outside of Buffalo. So essentially, he can do that in Oxford during the spring. So he can get he can go to Haiti with the team and knock out his, his community service with the uh, Jill Freeze and everybody. I guess I don't know if you saw that on Twitter or not. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Chad Kelly will be the captain of the Haiti team of the uh, 
Haiti trip, allegedly assuming Freeze accepts him on campus, which Freeze and the last thing he has announced is that he is still deciding. Although my my assumption is he is coming until Freeze comes out and says no, but I haven't seen anything official one way or the other. Do you have anything as far as the uh, alleged arrival of Chad Kelly, Justin? Okay, so one of the things that we said when we started this podcast was we're going to try to cover a different side of the Ole Miss program. So I'm going to report uh, based on cryptic post on Chad Kelly's Instagram post, uh, Chad Kelly's Instagram page, that Chad Kelly is in Oxford already. I think he left Buffalo yesterday, headed to Oxford. If I am to, you know, I think that's what he was trying to say. He posted a uh, snowy parking lot. He's wearing an old Miss shirt. The caption was like. The peace sign emoji to Buffalo. Uh, he posted last night in a car with Ole Miss shirt on, like he'd already like he'd landed. So I'm going to go ahead and say Chad Kelly is in Oxford. We might not even get an announcement about it because I think Hugh Freeze has said, "Listen, you know what? I am not on trial here. I am not compelled to talk about every decision I make as soon as I make it or publicly. And I'm just going to run my program, and uh, you'll hear about it when you hear about it." And I think Chad Kelly is. Like you, like we probably talked about, probably in the doghouse. I think that's a great point you made about Haiti. I didn't even think about that. Um, that's kind of what Keith Reeves does to the kids that uh, that mess up and get arrested. He sends them to Haiti uh, for a week or two uh, in the in the winter. I think he did it last year. I think Sir Darius Bryant with one of the league guys and Denzel went and all that stuff. So it's kind of like Keith Reeves' um, mission trip for troubled teens and early twenty students. So I think. Uh, this is good for Kelly. Like you said, his lawyers really knocked it out of the park. Apparently, obviously, his family is well known in that area. I don't, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Uh, perhaps the charges are very trumped up. I, I've heard that the AK-47 comment was completely fabricated, uh, and that was really what caused all of the buzz and outrage in the first place. So maybe we we got a, a good quarterback added to the depth chart. We have to hope, right? Because that's going to be a huge storyline uh, in the next couple months. But we'll see. You know, a little side note, uh, we hadn't talked about talking about this beforehand, but I'm not sure we're even going to see a, a spring game. Uh, looking at uh, all the offensive linemen that are going to be out, was it five or six of the of the starting rotation just had surgery last week? Yeah, I mean, well, obviously Laramie had surgery, and then uh, I think Rod Taylor. Did Rod Taylor have a minor procedure? I can't keep up with Rod, it. Rod Taylor, Rod hurt. Taylor had surgery. Robert Conyers, uh, basically everybody. I, I think Ronte Bolden, a backup, apparently is having a shoulder right. They'll keep him out six months. I mean, I don't. I mean, they're not going to have a second string offensive line in the spring. I don't think. I think Between the offensive like, line and the construction of the South End Foundation mm-hmm. the spring game, that's my opinion. But, but I mean, this is perhaps the, yeah. the most talked about Ole Miss spring game, I mean, in recent memory, right? Now, since I've been following the program, I mean, this is going to be a huge spring game. I think the fans are going to be disappointed, perhaps. I know. That's the thing. They have this big, wide-open quarterback competition. But I don't – I mean, how, I'm just sitting here thinking out loud. How are they going to evaluate quarterbacks with no, essentially no offensive line? I mean – Right, are we going to seven on seven, seven on sevens, I guess? I, I no guess idea. it's going to be skeleton drills. So, I mean, because, I mean, who, who's going to be out there? Bell, Cooper, uh, Davion Johnson, Aaron Morris is hurt, too. That's the other guy we forgot. He's having outstanding yep. surgery. You put, uh, you put free get, you, you put free get away to Justin Bell. I think Justin Bell had surgery, too. Is that right? I, said, I, I don't know about Justin Bell, but who knows? He, he might. He put... 
you put Frigo out there. I mean, you can put some of the young guys out there. You got uh, Sean Rawlings and uh, Christian. Did Christian Morris have surgery? I'm not sure. I don't think so. No, Christian Morris is healthy. That's somebody that he needs in the spring to get back into football shape. That would be right. Right. Be right, a storyline right. to watch. So I guess we can field five, but it's just it's not going to be the guys that are really going to start next year. So like like you said, we have to take the quarterback evaluators with a grain of salt. I mean, maybe maybe you just call three men rushes. I don't know. Like, how do you how do you do, do you let the defensive line go to work against that line? Doesn't really seem fair to me. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think the reality is the the, the coach. This is Chad Kelly's job to lose. Otherwise, they wouldn't be, you know, fooling around with bringing him in. There's they, they had what they've seen from mm-hmm. Kincaid and Buchanan just simply hasn't been up to standard. And may, or maybe it's just a depth issue. I could be totally wrong, but that's that's my initial thought on this. And I, well, I, seems, I tell you, yeah. the one the one random peach bowl tidbit I'll take out on Kincaid is that at the end of the game when they got down, they had the turnover down there in the red zone. They ran the wildcat with Jordan Wilkins four times instead of letting Kincaid go back there and try to throw a ball in the end zone, which to me right. basically said, we don't trust you reading the defense, which is, given he's been on the campus for uh, for three semesters, that, that, that is somewhat alarming to me. But that will be a storyline we will have plenty of time to follow in the future and speculate about for sure. Right, absolutely. So that's where we are with Chad Kelly. We think that he is headed to campus, going to compete for the quarterback job at Ole Miss. Uh, maybe we'll see in the spring. It might not be until fall camp that we really get an idea of who will lead. Uh, because I wouldn't be surprised at all if if Hugh Freeze um, kind of calls it a three way tie going into spring ball or fall ball and say, uh, just because you know Devontae Kincaid is obviously a transfer risk if he's not going to be in the rotation. So. We'll have, to see, we'll have to see how that story goes. Uh, obviously, we're going to keep following it. That's one of the biggest storylines to follow in football. Uh, but that mostly wraps up, I think, what happened this week with the Ole Miss football program, our third week, second week of the offseason. So, obviously, we're still uh, still clicking along here. We haven't really hit that dead period yet with no news. But another sport that is not over, a sport that is um, apparently more alive than we thought it was, is Ole Miss basketball. Had an interesting week. Um I just returned from watching the South Carolina game in Oxford, which was great. Uh, but before that, there was a really interesting development with the season, something that a lot of people did not predict. Uh, and that was the way the Rebels played on Tuesday in the opening game of SEC basketball against Kentucky at Kentucky in Rupp Arena. Um, really surprised a lot of people, I think, although maybe the story is not really being portrayed in the full truth uh, national media-wise. I'll get to that in a second. What happened was, Ole Miss went into Rupp Arena, uh, played hard, kind of came out, and after being down 12 to nothing, fought back, punched Kentucky in the mouth, uh, played him close, led by two at halftime, took him to overtime, uh, you know, lost out in the end without our star player for the game. It was Stephon Moody uh, due to cramps, and he went out in the overtime. Once you out, you can't come back in in that situation. But uh, it was a great effort. You know, Ole Miss really looked good. We talked about recording an episode right after that because we were so excited and jazzed up about it, but we ended up waiting to save the content for one big episode at the end of the week. But it was encouraging. It was very encouraging, although it was it was really meaningless that Ole Miss didn't build off it. And that's exactly what they did yesterday. Um, OC South Carolina, a team that, as I said last week on the podcast, has kind of flown under the radar so far. It was a good season. 
Uh, their RPI is good. They were a win that Ole Miss desperately needed for his tournament schedule. And uh, it was a win that Ole Miss got. Um, really solid game. Played great defense. Made South Carolina shoot a lot of three-point shots, 20, I think. Uh, South Carolina only made maybe four of them. They're not a great outside shooting team, but the, the zone really limited their inside activity and quietness. And Darius Thornwell, who, as I mentioned before, was the key to the game, kind of a, a swing big man that can, can shoot and score down low. So overall, it was a great performance, great game plan, and the team showed they can play well two games in a row. And they got another test coming up on Wednesday. They traveled to Baton Rouge to play uh, to play LSU. So John, you watched. Um, I know you watched the second half of Kentucky. I'm guessing you watched yesterday, but I'm not sure. What do you What do you take away from this week for all this basketball? Well, before we get back into that, I just wanted to ask you. You know, you, were you okay entertaining yourself during that 23 minute power outage that the Tad had yesterday? Oh man, actually, you're right, John. How did I How did I not mention this? So, if you're watching the game, you would know about this. But uh, we once again achieved peak Sad Pad levels yesterday. Uh, at the first media timeout of the game, when the house lights, so basically the lights on the court that illuminate the playing service for the players, as well as the scoreboards, uh, just kind of flickered off when the music started playing. They, they threw a breaker or something, something stupid like that. Uh, they claimed it was a campus power outage. And then it took about, about 22 minutes for the, for the lights to warm back up and for play to resume. So we were just, you know, sitting in the sad pad. It, it wasn't actually surprising to me because I was there two years ago. Uh, during the Arkansas game when the exact same thing happened. So I was like, oh, okay, that's what we're doing this again. Uh, but be- definitely the highlight of the outage was um, the uh, the announcer for the game. I'm trying to – I know who it is. It's, the name is flipping my mind. Uh, Keith, Keith Carter, I think, came all over the loudspeakers and, and turned it into an opportunity, a fundraising opportunity for uh, the Pavilion at Ole Miss, which is, of course, the new arena, opening in 12 months. And they, they showed the fly through on the screen and said – just donate, guys, and we're going to be out of here pretty soon. So that was um, the peak Santad moment so far for the season. No leaks yet, but we'll see. We'll see what else season holds for us. But only 12 more months for the million, John. Counting down the days. It did. Yeah, it is. We're, we're getting close to that thing being ready to roll. I guess that was really kind of another reminder that uh, Pete Boone sucked. So, but regardless, Absolutely. Man, back on to the uh, on-the-court aspect of this week. The op- I kind of followed the first half of Kentucky on Twitter. I saw a guy to, I believe, a 12 nothing lead, and I went, well, this is over with. And then I, somebody, I got a text saying, what is going on with this game in Lexington? And I checked the score and saw we were up at the half point. It was, you know, I'm trying to make sure my phone wasn't broken. I was thinking, okay. And I, so I started paying attention. I saw where Moody had gotten hot. I think he went four for five for three in the first half. So I was thinking, oh. So my initial, my skeptical thought process was, well, okay, Kentucky went out. Dominated, and they got then they got bored, and we made a run and came back. So, but you know, I was really curious in the second half: are we going to be able to compete with them and go toe to toe? Because I, I figured Kentucky would go in the locker room and Calipari would get mad and yell and be like, "Okay, guys, wake up!" And they would then come out and come, and it'd probably be close, and they would eventually pull away, maybe win by twelve or so. But uh, instead, I mean, Ole Miss went toe to toe with Kentucky in that game, and you can, you know, like. You can talk about the call. You can talk about a player or two here and there. The bottom line is, if they take that, and I know they A and M took them to double overtime on Saturday, but the reality is Kentucky's gonna be everybody's best game because they are the target, and everybody knows if they beat this Kentucky team, it will be remembered because this is a true. This truly is a special Kentucky team with nine McDonald's All Americans. But 
point is, if Ole Miss can play the way they did against Kentucky the remainder of the season, give that level of effort and confidence. I mean, I didn't recognize Aaron Jones on that Vine video of him just going around Collie Stein and just throwing it down in the first half. I was sitting there going, who is that guy? Because Aaron Jones always struck me, especially last year, was a player that lacked confidence. And that, that play did was a move by a player that has complete confidence in himself. So that's really a positive sign to see, as well as the dynamic of Moody and Summers playing on the court well together. But long story short, they can put it. They uh, took that potential and they backed it up on Saturday with a double-digit win over South Carolina team. You mentioned they were 29 Kim Palm going in. And I just I have it pulled up now. They have, I think they're 34th, 35th on Kim Palm rankings. Their RPI is not near 37th, I believe. It's the ACC specific number. Their RPI is not as good. They're 112th as of this week. So I'm a little. It's, a, it's interesting though. There's a big disparity between the RPI and the Kim Palm, which which is in which is what happens early in the season. But regardless, if Ole Miss basketball can give that level of effort and consistency. They can do some, they can do some damage in this conference. It really is a it's a building block. I think they they took a step forward for sure. Just kind of have it pulled up. Ole Miss is 60th in RPI right now, which is really a lot better. Oh wow, wow, that's that's good. I'm the South Carolina is 112th. I feel very good about 60. They've had a decent season. Because we're to 60, that's high enough. I think, especially given they, I mean the Charleston Southern and the Western Kentucky losses. Those were terrible. They're the TCU awful. early, and those were. Ter- I mean, I, I I figured they'd be around. They'd be between seventy five and hundred, but sixty. That is, yeah. If they win games, they're going to get the forties easy, which is, I mean, then they'll uh, that that's you know, that's an NCAA tournament RPI number. So that, the RPI absolutely sets up well for them for sure going forward. Yeah, it's really kind of like back from the dead in two games. Like the the season was, I mean. When we went into Dayton, we said, well, you know, if we get a big upset in Dayton, that's going to make a statement. But we lost. We lost in Dayton. Uh, and then no one gave us a chance against Kentucky. And, and I'll be the first to tell you I was among that train of thought. Uh, this spread was 23, I think, Kentucky uh, minus 23. And I, and I thought about it, and I said, you know, I'm not going to touch that line because Ole Miss could easily lose by 30. And then, of course, they come out and play so well, and I'm thinking at halftime up by two, like, man, that's 23 points, really. I can't believe that that's a real bet. Uh, I think that the team has potential. It's like we said before this season. You know, there's a lot of pieces, uh, and really it's, it's kind of falling into the narrative that, that everyone said, which is, is chemistry, and are they going to be cohesive? Are they going to come together? And they, they weren't together at first. Uh, Kennedy said it yesterday. He said that earlier in the season – Everybody on the court was ball watching. They were watching Jarvis. Jarvis dribbling around. We're all watching him. Now, uh, people are much more active. We got Moody running the Marshall Henderson uh, action off the screen, trying to get open in the corners. Uh, the double screen action. Saeed posting some great screens at the top of the key for Jarvis. Uh, like you said, Aaron Jones had a few times yesterday in the Kentucky game where he let Moody or Jarvis draw two defenders kind of slipped under the basket and they made some great passes onto him and he just finished off the play at the rim. So I think that our offense is getting much better. And, and honestly, over the last two games, I've kind of come to the conclusion that Andy Kennedy is a little bit of a defensive genius. I mean, the one three one zone is giving people so many problems right now. And he does the thing where he puts the big man, he puts the Aaron Jones, for instance, or the Dwight Colby on the, uh, the, the first post of the one three one, So at the top of the key, 
and people just don't even know what to do with it. The, the, the press is great. The trap got a lot of people. Uh, South Carolina got caught for a 10-second violation one time and a couple more backcourt turnovers. So I think we're really doing great things on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, Snoop, Moody, and Summers as a three-headed guard monster are kind of putting together some big runs on the other side. And uh, I think there is a lot of potential. I'm surprised we're as low as we are in the RPI. Like you said, 60 is sixty is cush right now. I mean, that's exactly where we want to be. Somehow, three terrible losses haven't taken us out of the conversation. So if we get a win on Wednesday at LSU, I think that actually people start talking about us again. And people are saying, well, maybe, maybe Ole Miss is the third team in the SEC. Um, we got Florida coming up in two weeks. Uh, I want to announce to our listeners that as your – humble servant. I am traveling to Oxford for you. I'm doing this for you, the listener. I'm not, this is not for me. I don't just go to Oxford for fun. You're not going to do this the library right. for 30 weekends the night before. It has nothing to do with that. No, it is. It is. That's what I'm saying. I'm going for the listener. I will <laughs> diligently be at the library on the 23rd to cover the big recruiting event and report back to you. Check our Twitter. Follow us at SharksAFTRDark. You'll see pictures. You'll see updates. Uh, we'll be in Oxford for the recruiting weekend, and the next day we're playing Florida at Oxford. It's a big game. Um, I think you got a real shot. Florida's down this year. They're, they did not look great against South Carolina uh, a few days ago. So I feel good. I feel good about basketball moving forward, and I did not feel good a week ago. So things can change quickly, I guess, in, in this sport. Definitely. And I'll tell you, I, I'm looking at the next, the next four games, and I'm looking at the RPI opportunity. It is so many, so many opportunities. This this team picked the right time to wake up and have a pulse because let's just lay this out. We game by game here for the next couple of weeks. The play LSU at home is at 14th. That's when is that? Wednesday? Wednesday. 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 Play LSU at home. LSU is currently 43 in the NCAA RPI. There's a top 50 win opportunity, which are not, there's not that many of them in the SEC. And well, and also they travel to okay. They play LSU twice this year. I didn't realize that. So they can also if LSU keeps playing well, they can be another quality one at the end of the year, which would be important when it comes to bubble discussion. But we cross that bridge when we get there. So they have a top yeah, fifty Wednesday. Right. They go to Arkansas Saturday. Arkansas is currently they are fourteenth in the RPI at thirteen and two. Right. And they had a huge game. win. I went and won in Athens. I know this past week, so they are. That is a that is a tremendous opportunity. If you can win one, at least one of, if you could somehow win both of those games, all of a sudden this season, which looked like a looked like a train wreck a month ago, now has potential. Following that, they travel to Georgia, play in play in Athens, and Georgia Georgia's number thirty eight in RPI. So the next three games are top fifty opponents for Arkansas being a top twenty five opponent. Next next four, I think, is Florida and Florida, and Florida might have fallen out. Florida Florida seventy ninth actually. So they seventy ninth Wow. So that that's a must win all of a sudden with a it is. You RPI in your building. You have to win that game. You can lose on the right. road to Florida later in February, but you need to win that game at home. So, but really, so the LSU Arkansas, this is, and two of those are on the road. If they could, if they could win the LSU game at home, take everybody like they should, which they've had, they, they finally won at home Saturday yesterday, but they've uh, right. struggled throughout the year. They can win that game and then split the Arkansas. Is LSU, game. is LSU in Oxford? I was thinking of LSU in Oxford. Like, okay. Okay, I missed on that. If they, can, okay. if they can win that game and then go split one of the next two at Arkansas at Georgia, they'd be two and one through three, through three straight top fifty games. That would really be 
That would well, they, that would get them going from a conference record standpoint. They'd have two quality wins on the resume, which would be good for them. Yeah. And then you come back right. and don't play Florida, Mississippi State, and Oxford back to back. You could really win those two games and get your season and get into the meat of conference play with the with a, uh, a five and two record give and take, and really be in a position to have a resume that would make qualify for the tournament. Because instead of thinking about the bad losses to start the year, though, if you're going to lose bad games, you want to do it early because you can make the argument, well, we have all these new players and we're getting our chemistry together. So the, the committee will be much more forgiving towards that. And if you go, say, 12-6 and six and right there on the bubble, that Kentucky overtime loss is going to be like, a well, this team went in and could have easily, I mean, they probably should have beaten Kentucky if Moody didn't cramp up. And the committee, when it comes down to like a finite decision between a team or two, will factor that in. So the opportunity in the next two weeks presents itself to this basketball team. So that is that is something I did not foresee coming as of seven days ago. But now we have something to follow for sure, which I'm excited about. Absolutely. Yeah. We got something to do until baseball. We were we were counting down the days. I believe there's 33 left. That's how this recording until baseball season. But uh, now I think we have a pretty good distraction. And like you said, uh, listeners out there, four great basketball games coming up. LSU on Wednesday at Arkansas on Saturday. Uh, Georgia is that a Wednesday game? I forgot. Is it that Tuesday? It's a midweek. I can go get you. It's one of the midweek. It's either either Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday would be. This is a Tuesday network game. At Georgia, is that right? It's in Athens. Yes. Okay, great. So that's great. Two big road games back to back, uh, and then Florida back at home. So it's going to be an exciting two weeks for Miss Basketball. Obviously, we'll chime in in a week with our thoughts on it uh, and, and here we have to think about uh, LSU and Arkansas but I'm, I'm excited man this this team is, is kind of showing that it maybe you could do something we'll see it, it, Snoop is just playing so well right now uh, Stefan Moody is really filling that explosive void that uh, Marshall Henderson left and, and Jarvis Summers when he's focused uh, and taking care of the ball you know when he's because he, he did he had a critical turnover against Kentucky he was really disappointing but when Jarvis is at his best, he can really guide scorers and kind of will them into positions to score. Uh, and the rest of the guys just got to keep playing their roles and, and take the passes when they come because Moody and Jarvis and Snoop are all going to – they're the kind of guys that are going to dump it off down low. You just got to be ready for it. But I'm excited. Sebastian Saiz has played great the last two games. Like you said, Aaron Jones is showing life. Um, Dwight Colby obviously is always hanging around back there. Anthony Perez hasn't played, so basically everything's going really well for the Rebels. Definitely, for sure. And I guess it, it, this team will at least keep us uh, entertained through National Signing Day coming up here first week of February. And speaking exactly. of which, as the uh, the recruiting dead period comes to an end here, I believe it's this week, this next weekend, the first week to start taking official visits again. In uh, honor of that, I believe next week's show will be we will be doing a recruiting intensive session. We may even have a special guest. That, That's correct. I think we will. I spoke with uh, the special guest himself this weekend in Oxford, and uh, I think he's pumped and ready to give us his insights. So, I think he is too. We, we, so, so we bailed him out of jail, got him off his misdemeanor. <laughs> you know, he he allegedly tried went to a quote spray up the library with pepper spray, and hopefully he didn't find that too funny, so we had to go kick him out. But this is what it, this is the commitment we have to getting quality information on this podcast and let you know what is really going on as far as recruiting. That's right. We're not we're not afraid. We're not afraid to talk to the degenerates. We're not afraid to read the Instagram post. We do what it takes to get inside the oldest program with absolutely zero access. Do that for our listeners because we care. 
Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Don, you got anything else you want to talk about this week? No, I think that's it. I think we covered a good bit tonight, laid it out. It's just a matter. I'm, I'm curious to see what this basketball team does in the next 10 days. It, they, can, they can make themselves be worthy of everybody's attention if they just take care of business here. I agree. It's got a, they got a lot of potential. They, it's like we said before the season, like I already said. I mean, we saw the potential, and I think now we're seeing kind of what can happen when they play well together. So let's hope they keep doing that. Look for that, guys. Wednesday, LSU, Saturday, Arkansas. Thanks for listening. We're glad to have you. Follow our Twitter account. It's at Sharks, A-F-T-R, Dark. Uh, check out our talk show page. We're going to be coming to the iTunes store very soon. So if you're like me and you love your your Apple podcast app, we're going to be on it soon. So just keep putting up with us for now. Listen on the on the talk show site. We'll post the links up. Uh, and, and we'll have that coming to you soon. But we appreciate you all listening. Um, we, we enjoy doing it. And we're going to talk to you all next week. We do recruits. Recruits next week. It's going to be a big episode. All right. So you all stay safe out there. Talk to you later. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.